Welcome to The Trouble With Sex, where we get up close and personal with leading experts to expose the naked truth about sex, love, and relationships. I'm Dr. Tammy Nelson. As a sex and relationship therapist, I've helped thousands of individuals and couples improve their sex lives and enjoy intimate and fulfilling relationships. Together with my guests, we'll talk about the latest trends, answer your questions, and share insights into the most pleasurable, sometimes painful, but often forbidden aspects of the human experience. Today, we're going to shake it up a little bit and talk about my new book, When You're the One Who Cheats. I'm going to give you some steps to surviving infidelity, and we're going to talk about what is going on in this country around monogamy. Last episode, we talked with Ashley Madison, a dating website for people who are having the affairs. And I used a lot of the statistics from Ashley Madison because there's over 60 million people on that website. The people that I talk to in my private practice where I see couples and individuals have a lot of questions about what it takes to make monogamy work, but they also know the risks of being in a commitment and trying to make monogamy work because it's still a question. It's still a wondering. It's still a challenge. You know, monogamy today is based on an agreement that we make with our partner explicitly that is really based on a concept that's about 200 years old. You know, we used to get married when we were young and young enough to have children so that we could last long enough to have a marriage for about 15 average years. And we were dead by the time we were in our late 30s. And marriage today is totally different. We live to be 80, 90, sometimes 100 years old. I just spent the holiday weekend with my mother-in-law, who's 94. And when I think about my grandparents, my grandparents were married for 70 years. Like, that's a long time to be with the same person and to expect to be monogamous with the same person. You know, today, a lot of people have marriages that are monogamous, and then they get divorced and have another marriage that's monogamous. And there's an expectation that if you get married and divorced a second time, that you'll get married a third time. It's not uncommon. So marriage looks different than it's ever looked before, and yet we're still going on those old rules from 200 years ago, that you get married, you stay desirous of the same person, you never think about cheating with anybody else, and then you die. So as dramatic as that sounds, it's really interesting being a couples therapist because what we're taught in our training is that there's several stages of a relationship. Number one, you meet someone, you fall in attraction, not love yet, but you fall in attraction. You fall in longing. You're hot for someone. You're attracted to them. You see them across a crowded website. You swipe in the right direction. You say, oh, this person's really attractive. And there is a longing for someone. Longing happens in the space in between you. You're attracted to what you don't have. And that phase of your relationship is where that lust comes in or that turn on comes in. And that's kind of an exciting time because you don't really know each other yet. 
It's a time of curiosity. It's a time of discovery. And a lot of times it's a phase of your relationship where the sex is really hot. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because you have nothing to lose yet. So the longer you're together, the safer you are in your relationship. You would think that the sex would be better. If you're married for 20 years, 25 years, you would think, well, we know each other really well. We've seen each other through everything. We trust each other. We're safer being ourselves. But actually, safety is antithetical to eroticism. Eroticism, by its nature, is illicit. It's forbidden. It's naughty. And so the longer you're together, it makes sense that the less erotic your relationship becomes. And It makes sense that that is true for most people in long-term monogamous relationships. Not everyone, but a lot of people. And as your relationship develops in those natural phases that we all go through, it happens for a reason and it happens naturally, but you don't have to get stuck in that place. But really the problem is that we've been taught that if you are really good companions and really good roommates, then the sex will take care of itself. But what's actually happened is there's been this misunderstanding about how to have hot sex in a marriage. There's two parts of your marriage. There's the companionship and then there's the eroticism. You have to work twice as hard on the erotic part of your relationship than you do on your companionship. You know, after that initial phase of attraction, which only lasts like three months to 27 months, you go into the next phase of your relationship, which is the conflict phase or the power struggle. And that pretty much lasts the rest of your marriage. So you end up with somebody who brings out the worst parts of you. We totally regress to our worst possible selves at home. You know, I go out, I go to work, I put on makeup, I dress nice, I'm nice to people. I go home, I take off my makeup, I put my hair up, I put my sweatpants on, and I'm a total bitch. So I know that all of you can relate to this. Like, this is how we treat the people we love. This is how we are at home with the people we feel the most comfortable with, the people we are safe with. Because that's what happens after that initial phase of romantic love happens. You go home and you're safe and you're attached. And we create safety in order to have a family. Whether you're gay, straight, it doesn't matter. You're in what I call the sweatpants phase of your relationship. It's great right? It feels comfortable. You can finally eat that third piece of pizza. You're hanging out on the couch. You're watching Netflix. It's great. It's comfortable. But the sex is like maintenance sex now. So you might have a family or you might have a bunch of kids or whatever you create as your family. You might get a dog. But you're really focused now on your companionship. And you have a choice, You can raise your kids, you can walk the dog, you can stay in the sweatpants phase. Eventually, you get bored. And this is where the shutdown happens because you remember what it was like to feel attractive to someone, to feel attracted to someone, to be curious about someone. But that can be dangerous in a long-term relationship. We want to know that there's nothing else new to learn about our partner. There's nothing that we don't know. There's nothing hidden. We know everything because integrity means that we are integrated, that there's nothing compartmentalized, that there's nothing outside hidden like in pornography or in an affair or just nothing that we don't know. We define intimacy in our culture as into me see. I want to know everything about my partner. And as soon as I know everything, then I'm done. Then I'll feel safe. 
But safe in this context is boring because the excitement of not knowing sometimes is the thing that's intriguing. So people at this point make a choice. They either trade their partner in for someone else, maybe someone more exciting, and hey, sometimes you trade up. But the reality is you might be shutting down the potential in your relationship by either putting your erotic curiosity into a little tiny box until the kids are old enough to, you know, put themselves on the bus, or you're splitting off your erotic energy outside of your relationship, like into an affair. And that's what we're going to talk about. Like, what happens when you split off your erotic energy and you start cheating on your partner? You know, my mission for writing this book, When You're the One Who Cheats, was to really focus on what is the meaning of integrity? What does it mean to tell the truth? Can you, as a person that cheats, tell the truth to yourself, about yourself, about what you really want? Can you tell the truth to the person you're cheating with? Can you tell the truth to the person you're married to? What does it mean to live in integrity? You know, when we were in like tribal villages, when we lived in shamanic times, when we were more of a culture that was focused on living together in community instead of being separated out in cities and far away from each other, sex was different. We treated boys differently. We treated girls differently. We treated our families differently. In our culture today, when a boy reaches sexual age, he is shamed for what he believes in about his sexuality. You know, we tell him he's looking at porn. That's wrong. We tell him he's looking at the wrong kind of porn. He's looking at the wrong kind of sex. He's having sex in the wrong way. He's having it too much. It's not consensual. Boys are really confused about sex these days. Back then in shamanic times, when boys turned sexual age, when they turned preteen age, they would be sent out into the wilderness. They would be sent out into the dark night of the soul. And through deprivation or hallucinogenics, they would have to find the split-off parts of their soul. They would have a vision quest. They would have a a spiritual journey or a spiritual experience. And they would remember the split-off parts of themselves. They would reintegrate those split-off parts of their soul. And then and only then could they come back to the tribe as a man. They would bring value back to the community. And they knew who they were. They were reintegrated. They remembered who they were as a whole person. Today, it's the exact opposite. We split off boys. We isolate them and we shame them and they compartmentalize and hide who they are. And Today, especially, boys are confused about what it means to be in a relationship. And then they grow up to be men, and we teach them we want them to be present, we want them to hold our face, we want them to make love to us, we want them to be emotionally available. But then 50 million copies of Fifty Shades of Grey are being sold where they're pulling our hair and throwing us down on the bed. And at the same time, they're saying, wait a minute, no means no, I don't know what to do now. And it's true because as women, we want both. We want men to be emotionally available and we want to have really good sex where we feel like we are being ravished. That's not raped. That's ravished. And so if you really loved us, you would just know and we wouldn't have to tell you. And that's really confusing for men. (laughs) So instead, we shame men. And by the time a guy is middle age and he comes to my office, he has forgotten who he is. He doesn't know what it means to be sexual and be a man. And he doesn't know if it's okay to masturbate, if it's okay to 
desire other people. He doesn't know what healthy sexuality is or what it means to be emotionally connected in a relationship. He has forgotten. And to live in integrity today means to reintegrate those split-off parts of yourself, to remember what you truly want, what really turns you on, what you really believe, and what you really desire in a relationship. Part of the reason I really do believe that sites like Ashley Madison are so popular is because people are looking outside of themselves, not necessarily for someone to cheat with, but they're looking to be someone else. So they're not looking for someone else. They're looking to be someone else. They're exploring all those different parts of themselves. You know, with all due respect for the people that you're cheating with, it's not so much about who you're with, but who you become when you're with that person. And so we're trying on these different behaviors, trying to figure out who am I? Who am I sexually? Who am I as a whole person? So at home, if I'm a dad or a mom, it's really hard to integrate that sexual part of me. So I'll split it off outside the marriage and be that out there. I had a really interesting conversation with the Reverend Dr. Beverly Dale about sex and religion. We were talking about this idea of women and sex and spirituality. And I believe that there's only like one archetype in our society for women. There's Mary. There's Mary Magdalene or the Virgin Mary. You can be a good girl or a bad girl. And so what happens when you become a mother, when you become the Virgin Mary, when you're the Madonna? Can you still be the Mary Magdalene? Can you still be a sexual person? I'll tell you, for me, when I had kids, it was hard to make the macaroni and cheese and go upstairs and put the garter belt on. It's a hard thing to integrate just for us personally. And so it's really hard for men as well to feel like all of those desires and that those dirty fantasies and that that part of them that that feels sometimes toxic that they've been taught since they were little is a toxic desire might go towards this woman that they love when really sex can be a language of love. And so seeking out an affair is many times a way to stay married, to have that other part of your personality and have the love and family and companionship at home. And with that, we are going to take a break. I have an important wellness message for anyone listening who has a vagina or loves someone with a vagina. Did you know that a healthy vagina naturally has an acid pH and any soap is going to harm that? Good Clean Love's line of natural feminine products will help you maintain a healthy pH level. So feminine washes, wipes, moisturizer, lubes, and their latest vaginal probiotics are all going to support your healthy feminine ecosystem. Best of all, you get 15% off for listening to the Trouble With Sex podcast. Just use TTWS15 at goodcleanlove.com. Today, we're talking about my new book, When You're the One Who Cheats. I think affairs fall into two categories. One, it's a can opener and you want out. And you need to be honest about that. So that's the first step. Be honest about why you're cheating. Don't blame your partner. Don't blame your wife or your husband or your partner or your therapist or your mother. It's nobody else's fault. You cheated. Own it. Figure out why. That's the first step. Number two, I don't know if you should end your affair and stay with your partner. I can't make that decision for you. But what I can tell you is be honest. If you're going to tell your partner, are you doing it because it makes you feel better about yourself or because you want your partner to be your confessor? 
So when I say be honest, I want you to be honest with yourself first. Do you need to tell your partner about your affair or are you doing it because you think that confessing is going to somehow clear you of all wrongdoing? Are you really thinking about what's going to happen when you talk to your partner? You know, once you tell them, you can't unring the bell. So you might want to go to therapy and really process what it means to really share in an open, honest relationship and what transparency really means. And number three, empathy is the way to healing after an affair. Forgiveness is not the thing, okay? Forgiveness is about power. If you have an affair and you say to your partner, I'm sorry, then what happens? You have an expectation that they're supposed to give you forgiveness. And until they give you forgiveness, now they owe you something. So maybe they'll give you forgiveness, but I can tell you right now, if you have a relationship that is out of balance, there's going to be a day when your partner says, you know what? I feel like I have no power. What do I have? You got the forgiveness. You got the affair. I got nothing. So there's going to be a day when they're going to take back their forgiveness and say, today I don't forgive you. So forgiveness happens naturally over time, organically, when there's empathy. And empathy has to happen on both sides. You have to be empathetic to how this has made your partner feel, and they also have to find some empathy for why you did it. It doesn't mean they have to agree or approve, and it doesn't mean they would have done the same thing, but it means knowing you the way I know you, it makes sense that you would have done this, given where our relationship was at the time. Don't expect this to happen right away, people. This does not happen in the discovery or the disclosure phase after an affair. It takes time. It takes understanding. And that's the next step. It's time. So there's a difference between disclosure versus discovery. Are you telling your partner, look, we have to talk. I've had this affair. It's over. It's continuing. I'm ambivalent. Those are the only three options. It's over. It's continuing. Or I'm ambivalent. And I want to work on the relationship with you or our relationship is over. So when you talk to your partner, you have to tell them, what does that mean? I want to work on a relationship or I want to end our relationship. That's disclosure. Discovery means your partner has found your email. You left it out on the table. We can talk in another episode if you did that on purpose, unconsciously or not. And they've confronted you. And maybe you've been honest and said, you're right. Let's have a talk. I don't know what's been going on with me. Or maybe you've denied it and tried to gaslight them and said, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not my email. In and of itself, that's a level of integrity where you have split off what you're doing and tried to compartmentalize it, tried to pretend, tried to dismember and disintegrate what you're doing right now. And so time and work on yourself is the only thing that will help you to find balance again with this, to reintegrate all those compartments, to open them up, to admit to yourself first that this is who you are, this is what you're doing, this is what you want, this is who you love, whether it's your partner or your outside partner, this is what you desire. And the last phase is to communicate about this. So, you know, when you talk to someone, whether it's your current partner, your new partner, your potential partner, communicating about what you really want, creating a vision about your potential future includes what you explicitly want, the explicit expectation of your new monogamy agreement. You can't go on the old expectation of monogamy, the old idea of marriage. This is not your grandparents' monogamy. Today, we have 
a myriad of options for how you want to live your life. And the only rule is that you're transparent with your partner about what those assumptions are. Anything implicitly assumed can lead to betrayal. You guys can decide whatever you want. I'm not the judge of your monogamy. Only you are. Monogamy is not synonymous with integrity. Integrity means being transparent about who you are and what you want. If you want to take a risk and try to be in a relationship, this goes with the territory, folks. You have to learn how to be honest. Honesty is your true north. Be true to yourself and with another person or other people. And that's the thing you'll always have to come home to, that inner part of you that knows the truth, that wants to tell the truth, might be afraid of the truth, is your first step. If you want more information about how to have a relationship and live in integrity or how to rebuild and survive after infidelity, you can go to whenyourethewonewhocheats.com. You can also buy my book at Amazon or there's a link at this podcast at thetroublewithsex.com. I can't wait till next time. Till then, stay honest and stay true. This episode of The Trouble With Sex was sponsored by our friends at Good Clean Love, revolutionizing sexual health with organic and natural solutions made by women for women. To find out more, go to thetroublewithsex.com or email me at drtammy at thetroublewithsex.com. Join our mailing list, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter, or send me a question. The Trouble with Sex is produced by Brandy Savitt and Jane Applegate. Audio post by Flavor Labs, Brian Quell and Eric Stern. And our music is by Bruce Hirschfield.